Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I am Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, insurance and navigation. What is navigation, you ask? Well, you will find out from Sharon Franz, oncology nurse navigator and president of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators, and Becky Trump, also an oncology nurse navigator and vice president of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators, and leading it all off in the Survivor Spotlight, returning champ, Jesse Herskowitz, young adult survivor, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, survivor that is, singer-songwriter and recording artist extraordinaire. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at i2y.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. No, that's not okay. And not a stupid okay. cancer, welcome. To all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. So uh, please welcome our Chief Cancer Anarchist and Vice President of the Grassroots Programming, Mr. Jack Bufar. That's Jack. Hi. Just Jack. What's up? Happy uh, belated Halloween by a day. Belated Halloween? Yeah. It's almost, oh, it's almost election day. Happy early election, election day. Election day. Yes. He doesn't like vote. Like people vote? Yes. No, no one's voting. American Idol doesn't start till January. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's my job. Where is it? Here it is. That's when the votes really count. <laughs> anyway, Jack will be monitoring our live interactive concurrent chat room. Yes, we have a live chat room during every broadcast. If you have any questions for our guests, please let, it, let them know. Uh, we'll do our best to get them answered throughout the show. And we wish she were here, but do she? we know that she's here in spirit. Amanda Freeman, our fabulous Broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor. Giving a big shout out and lots of love Hi, to Amanda. Amanda. We love you, Amanda. You'll be back soon. Yes, she will. 
Now, we have a full studio tonight. Packed a lot house. of in-studio guests, special guests tonight. Uh, Aaron Eloise and Kenny Kane are in the house, as usual. Our, um, one of our interns, Mark Kwan, young adult survivor of ALL, acute lymphoblastic leukemia, is in the house tonight. Look up, Mark. Hi, Mark. He's waving, but it's radio. Mark doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, April Capil uh, is in the house. There she is. She is... Uh, how are you? Get I'm that great. mic up. Thanks for having Hi. me. Hi. What's your story and why? Should uh, I care? I am a two-year breast cancer survivor, and I'm in New York to run the New York Marathon. Hi. Yes. Fantastic. For, for who? Actually, for Fred's team, for Sloan Kettering. That's good stuff. I'll tell you what. You want to make a wager? Mm, I, I bet you it'll take me longer to run the half marathon than it will take you to run the full marathon. I'll, 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 I'll lay my money down I'm on that. I'm on that, that one. Yep. We're, all, we're all on that. Count me in. Yep. I I'll bet it. you 10 Taco Bell bucks. Actually, we could make a lot of money for the organization with that one. That Why just, didn't we think of that, that earlier? Yeah. Yeah. And I won't Rosie Ruiz it either. It's the under-under for Jack Buford. <laughs> right. And if I die, everyone has to give an extra $1,000. Uh, that's exactly what's not going to happen. But in any case, we have in studio John Sabia, our multimedia director. John Sabia is an amazing guy. If you've ever seen our documentary films or any of our sizzle videos, he is the man behind the curtain responsible for all of that. Jay Sabs in the house. And Liz Taitu, a young adult survivor, courtesy of Aaron Eloise, is in the house tonight. Wait, you belong to Aaron? Yes, courtesy. Everyone belongs to Aaron. No, but they have the same... Uh, the. Another phylloides breast cancer yeah, survivor. It's a big word that wow. I can't pronounce. That's what yes. they share. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But big big doings. It's a very, very rare condition. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. It's great to have you here. Four breast cancer survivors in the house. Yes. Two phylloides. And two non phylloides. Yes, and two non phylloides. Triple negative. I, I had it before they were I, I had brain cancer. Does that count? <laughs> Starts with a B. Yeah, exactly. BR. Am I the only lymphomaniac around here? No, you no, are. No, Hershkowitz. Oh, Hershkowitz. Lympho. I'm, a Hershkowitz. I'm a lymphomaniac. Yes, you are. Who said that? <laughs> that's a bad 80s commercial. Zach, Zach, the Legomaniac? Legomaniac. Right, and that's what I said when I... We're dating each other right now. I had a little bit of a scare like a year and a half oh, that's ago. That's really bad. And I said, if I get lymphoma twice, does that make me Jack the Lymphomaniac? I don't really think that is something I want to talk to you about. <laughs> okay, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> so, geez, what the hell's going on? Should we talk about, speaking of breast cancer, what you put on your Facebook wall, since well, we like to do that? we have to give a, uh, I feel like we should play the, the death march, because Pinktober's over, <laughs> and I'm so excited. Did, wait, I missed it? Oh, we missed, yeah, there was some awareness, something happening in the last couple of months, I don't know. Uh, pink, was that the color? And some body part involving women and... Is in, that, wait, hold on a second, is that why I saw a pink cement truck the other day? I saw pink porta potties that must have had something to do with... Shitting for the cure? I had pink on my broccoli rob. Yeah, you know on the what? On the twisty around it. You know what? I had I had vo- I had penny vodka, and <laughs> clearly that was something I should be aware of. Yes. Well, okay. We've 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 beat up on pink October sufficiently. Right now it's blueember. Now it's blueember. It's also pancreatic cancer, purple November. Pur- I'm pretty sure. It's purple blueember. It's Movember. Yeah. Purple blue Movember. Whew. I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. It's uh. Right, good night, everybody. Yeah. Teal was ovarian cancer. Teal that, was September. That kind of got overlooked compared to pink October. Wait, does right. lymphoma have a cover color? Yeah, it's outside, Jack. Uh, I'll go look for it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's right outside that door near the cliff. <laughs> but yes, but we did a fantastic show talking about pink washing. No, it was great. We were so exciting last week. If you missed our show last week, go to uh, 
stupidcancershow.com and download the show. We had breast cancer action on. Or iTunes. And iTunes. Or iTunes. iTunes.itoy.com. And we had breast cancer action on. We talked about pink washing, corporate abuse of consumer goodwill, and how, you know, there are companies out there that are making products that cause cancer while at the same time making products that cure cancer. That's right. Gotta love the vicious cycle of business enterprise. Yes, you do. Yes. Or don't. Um, so, so tying up the breast cancer, there was an interesting post on my wall today that someone sent me. Matthew? I think it had something to do with that everyone diagnosed with breast cancer by law should have uh, reconstruction. Is that something it, like that? It, yes. Just passed in New York State, actually, fairly it recently. Did. It is law in New York State. Wow. Passed earlier this summer. That if you Wait, are, Hang on. That gets one of these. <laughs> Yay. That's a win. Yes, it is a win. Now, there are a couple of people who who uh, made some good points on your Facebook page because what this is is nobody, and, and this is a little bit of a pet cause of mine because of some studies that came out a few years back um, done out of University of Michigan Cancer Center that showed that something like 70% of women are not given information about breast reconstruction when they are going through breast cancer. That's very bad. So yeah. we are not advocates for reconstruction per se because not every woman wants rec- reconstruction, and that is totally okay. That's oh, totally that's fine. Right. That yeah. is their right. But you should have all the information, and you should have good plastic surgeons. First of all, you should have good uh, general surgeons who refer you to a plastic surgeon. Right. And then you should have good plastic surgeons that explain any risks that might come with reconstruction and that will also let you know that it's okay to not have reconstruction right, should but, you choose to not have but reconstruction. But if it's a law, what if you can't afford it? You know, it's not a law. Well, it's not a law to you, – you mean to go to the plastic for, surgeon right. for the consultation? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, I suppose you can you can decline. I mean, you don't have to show up. But I, I mean, it's, it's not like the state says you have to have ample bosom post surgery. Yeah, it's not like they're knocking door to door to see if. It's uh, not an endorsement for, again for reconstruction. They just want to make sure that all, women have all the information to make the choice that's best for them. All right, so the law is really not that all women have to get re- reconstruction. Absolutely the not. That, like there isn't like 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 a Absolutely like a van driving not. around dragging people to no, the plastic no, no. surgeon's office. It, it's the silicone that, implant palooza. It's that your general surgeon must refer you to a plastic surgeon. You can then not go. So it's right of first refusal. Yeah, like you, you don't have, having, you don't yeah. even have to show up for I the appointment. It. It's just that it. you need to get. They need to inform you of all of your options. I see. And then you take it from there. Okay. All right. Because I want to make sure that, you know, you, you get breast cancer, your doctor says, I'm sorry, we have to give you a mastectomy, and you are now forced to have reconstruction, otherwise you're going to jail. Yeah, that's not how it goes. That's Gattaca. You want to, can I share something intelligent? <laughs> Is, uh, wait a minute. Brace yourself, everybody. <laughs> but I have a good friend who's a plastic surgeon here in New York City. and uh, We can tell that you've got all that work done. Well, he, he, yeah, I mean, it's not like I could get much worse. But anyway, he said that uh, I guess the technology or, or the procedures now in, in breast surgery, uh, breast, breast plastic surgery, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know I'm sorry talking about boobies. I know you are. But he was saying that, that there are some women who are able, who have been diagnosed with breast cancer where they're able to cut out the cancer via breast reduction. So it saves them from the chemo and the radiation or whatever. They just cut it out and they go down a cup size or whatever, but then they can always build it back up again. So he was saying that breast cancer treatment has come a long way from the plastic surgery side because they can remove it via reduction. I guess it depends on what kind of – if it spread to your lymph nodes well, and all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, and I'm not smart enough but to have that part of the conversation with him. I was just <laughs> I like, oh, nice. I think you have a full, like, full work up there. Yeah. To tear them down and build them back up, my friend. But there's amazing things that they can do with reconstruction, using your own tissue or using implants or any number of things. But you don't. That said, don't have to have it. Just need to know what's out there. That's all. Like anything else. 
Be informed, doctors and patients. So we, that's what we talk about. What else was on in the news this week? So obviously well, election day tomorrow. The booby bracelets right. again <clears> in the news. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Like more and more, like what, like like middle school now, right? Middle school kids are getting kicked out of school for wearing boobies. Make me smile, and I touch and myself. I love and I love boobies, wristbands, and T-shirts, and kindergartners are getting kicked out, but they don't know why because they don't know what boobies are. Right. Well, exactly. you know what, my friend Courtney Hamilton, that we've all that you guys have all met, she teaches eighth grade math in Westchester, New York, and she said that. There are a ton of, like, 12, 13-year-old boys running around with the I Love Boobies bracelets, and they have no idea that it has to do with breast cancer awareness yeah, well, that's, and self-examination. That's so it is, it is like both sides of the equation. Like, like, they're definitely running around saying, boobies, 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 not, not realizing that the money that they spent on this bracelet is going toward a good cause and raising awareness for people. They just, they're in that. But it goes back to the larger, that middle school this country is, is blitheringly, ignorantly puritanical, and I hate it. And yep. it just bothers the crap out of me that someone could find an issue with this. I could understand if it's like church or something, you know. Yeah, you have to respect that those boundaries. But well, I don't, even I, our, even I have no words for it other than that this is a stupid country sometimes. Well, you, the, the only thing is, if they're too young and they don't know what they're talking about, as Jack said, right? You don't want them harassing the young girls. I mean, as somebody who was teased for having boobies in sixth and seventh grade and was mortified, the last thing I would have wanted was some kid. Some boy wearing a bracelet and going, ah, boobies, boobies, not knowing what it represented. I got for having boobies in seventh grade, but I was just fat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so hold on, Lisa. You got cheese for having movies? Movies, yes. So Lisa was being chased around by some twelve-year-old in a Jackson Brown T-shirt. Saying, <laughs> boobies, boobies, boobies. No, it was a Michael Jackson multi-zipper jacket. <laughs> no, that right. was our college year. I did have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well, um, let's let's get to our uh, our advocacy survivor spotlight tonight. I am incredibly excited to have him back on the show. I looked back at our calendars, and he was actually on the show in the fall of 2007, one of our first guests ever. Yep. And he deserves. Uh, we'll pick this intro. All righty, Jesse Hershkowitz, A.K.A. Herbalist. Yes. Yes. Is a three-year survivor of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I met his parents the week after he was diagnosed. <laughs> I drove into Middle Jersey for God knows how long to find this guy. Yep. Diagnosed at 25 years old, he chronicled yep. his cancer experience in a hip-hop album called Cancerous Flow Lyrical Journal. Herbalist has been an independent artist and producer for 12 years and currently resides and performs in New York, New Jersey. He was just signed... To Cine Records, Shawnee Records. Shawnee Records. Yeah. My apologies to Mr. Shawnee. Shawnee River Records. Shawnee River Records. And I'm, he is, he's been a rock star in our community for years. You've seen him in our documentary film. It's a pleasure to have him back. Please welcome Jesse Hershkowitz. What's up, what's up? What's going on, Jesse? In the house. In the building, in the building, indeed. Jack just blew out our herbalist. speakers. It's the herbalist. It's the And herbalist. he didn't walk out, despite the fact that we played Journey for his intro. Yeah. How yeah. much are you hating that, Jesse? <laughs> I don't know. No one can hate that song. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, you know who hates that song now? The people that have heard the Glee version of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. True. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Jesse. So take it away. Fill us in on your... Because you had non-Hodgkin's, but you had a tumor in your bone. Is that I correct? Did, Which yeah. seems pretty uncommon. Yeah, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma of bone. You know, which is a blood cancer of bone, basically. And I, I wish I, you know, was able to... I wish I knew more about the specifics that, you know, the differences between the two. But, you know, it just... 
I don't know, I was, my arm was broken one night while I was asleep by a tumor, and, you know, a week later I was in the hospital picking out what kind of port would go into my chest, and so when they said non-Hodgkin's lymphoma of bone, I said, all right, well, whatever it is, you know, let's let's move forward. So. It snapped like that in your sleep. You were literally in bed, and your arm just broke. Yeah, I, I I woke up and couldn't move it. Wow. Yeah. And your treatment again, fill us in. You did I what? uh I did about seven months of chemo up at Sloan Kettering. I was living in Atlanta at the time, pursuing my dream uh, down there. And you know, I've I flew back up here, moved back in with my parents, uh, commuted into the city every day, and uh, seven months later. Yeah, I was all good. But what? the issue is it took you like you were you were lucky in the sense that you got diagnosed relatively quickly within 5 days. Yeah. But they were the worst days. <laughs> talk us through, I could have a song about it too, but talk us through those 5 days. Well, I mean, the first day was just nonsensical. I mean, I tried to go to my doctor's office across the street and they couldn't see me that day cuz they were all booked. So, you know, I went to the emergency room and the people in the emergency room, they didn't even x-ray me. They saw a 25-year-old kid look, walk in looking healthy. You know, I had no weight loss, no, you know, normal symptoms. So they uh, gave me a cortisone shot and a uh, bottle of Vicodin and said, you know, you have bursitis. And I said, all right, thanks for the Vicodin, and went home. And <laughs> so you just overreacted, in other words. Wait, you had bruschetta? What? Yeah, bruschetta, exactly. Okay. Oh, pass it uh, over. But so I took the Vicodin, and, you know, it didn't work, so I knew something was up, you know. So I actually flew back home. I had already purchased tickets to fly back up north for a family party, uh, and so I flew. I took that flight back up north, and I never made it to the family party. I, as soon as I landed, I basically went to the emergency room up here where they did an x-ray, and that led to an MRI, and then that led to... All that fun stuff. You know, so what did they... At- eventually ended up doing for the bone did they have to replace the bone they actually did not they um they went in the only surgery they did was a biopsy they went in they did a, a biopsy just to see whether the tumor was malignant or not when they concluded that it was they sewed me back up and they gave me eight months of chemo which they said would kill any microscopic you know particles of it that could have spread elsewhere and would also you know shrink slash kill the the tumor that was in the arm. I mean, there's dead tissue in there, still in there from the tumor, but it's no longer active. It's no longer alive. It's no longer reproducing. But, I mean, Jack's body is filled with all, all sorts of dead stuff now, too. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> the part like my soul when you speak <laughs> to me in that manner. Exactly, exactly what I was talking about. Now, now, Jess, the the part about your story that that hit me the most when I first heard about you and we connected is that you're a musician, you're mm-hmm. an artist, you're a creative individual. Yep. And what did you do when you got sick? You wrote music. I did. That's I what did. I did. I wrote music. There are so many musicians out there, artists, poets, dancers, sculptors, painters, and what they do is they return to their anchor. They yep. return to what makes them comfortable. Rebecca Cherry, clearly yeah. someone who we've had on the show who was in our documentary film, melanoma, violinist, professional orchestra. You know, Yeah, my producer wants to work with her. Yeah, she <laughs> I mean we're talking an extraordinary sea shift in the way you view you view yourself creatively what comes out of you yeah. and you wrote all this music it I just did. came out of you like a like like a like a dynamo it really did i mean this may sound corny but i've always viewed kind of music and hip hop music and like the creation of my own music as my psychiatrist <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't 
I don't go to a shrink. Maybe I should, but I, you know, I'm, oh, you should. I, I, you yeah. live in the New York that's City metro not, area, and you're Jewish. That's you not go to the a first time I've been told that. But uh, <laughs> wait, hold on a second. You're a Jewish rapper. Uh-huh. I, I am. Can you name one other? Um, yes. Modest Yahoo. Um, the Beastie Boys. Oh, that's right, the Beastie Boys. Oh, hello, <laughs> Yosef Eliezer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I've always used kind of music to get what I was feeling out, you know, and. When I was first diagnosed, I didn't get my original diagnosis at Sloan Kettering. We happened to be lucky enough to have an oncologist in the family, my mother's cousin, who was a fellow at Sloan Kettering and now has, you know, a practice up near Foxwoods in uh, northern Connecticut. So we drove, you know, two hours up there, and that was a real rough two nights. I mean, he just, he, I was in pain when I got there, so he put me on some strong pain meds, which, you know, threw me for a loop um, for the next two days. I was out of it and just really feeling feeling bad and I kind of when I got home from that trip I kind of locked myself in my room for a couple of days and just I wasn't sleeping I was just like I was scared for my life I was you know afraid that I might lose my arm or I didn't know what was going on and I had all this emotion going around and I finally just said you know what man you got to do what what you've been doing for years with it and it was all out of selfishness it was all out of selfishness like now I look back on it and I've got this album that I can help people with that you know, countless people have contacted me and said that it's helped me get through this. Listening to it, I can identify with it, which is great, and I'm all for it now. At that point in time, it was like, what am I going to do to get myself right. through this? Because I'm going to go but crazy. But it's not selfishness. You know? It's selfless selfishness. Yeah. It's selflessness. Okay. You have to do what you need to is do that to, heal, be the, to uh, help heal yourself. Yeah. That's your new rapper that's, nickname. That's the new yeah. Webster uh, <laughs> yeah. official dictionary exactly. word of, of 2010. So you, so you wrote Cancer Show Lyrical Journal, yeah. and now you have a new album. Well, it's the same album. I, I wrote, during the chemo treatment, I basically did everything myself. I wrote the rhymes while I was in the hospital, you know, sick. I produced the beats on my laptop while I was in the outpatient ward getting the chemo. Um, I recorded the rhymes in a spare bedroom that I converted to a studio at my parents' house, you know, with my chemo backpack on while it was infusing. This is really um, a cancer labor of love. Yeah, yes, it is. It is. This is wow. born, born of cancer. That's why it's a cancerous flow. But um, so, you know, I felt that when basically, and I promoted it myself individually, you know, independently for about three years until one day I got a MySpace message from... Uh, Harlan Lansky out at uh, Shawnee Records in L.A., and basically he explained to me about how, you know, his company is very involved, very cancer-related, named after a very brave young man, you know, who lost his battle to cancer a few years back, and he told me a little bit about his company and foundation and, you know, said that, you know, we were really inspired by your story out here. You know, give me a call in the office sometime this week, and, you know, we'll chat, and that call that I gave him in the office led to a trip out to L.A. to meet everybody, and and then that led to, you know, them offering me a recording contract. When that happened, you know, I just wanted to polish up the album a little bit more. There were some issues that I had with it. and Oh, it's your baby. You're a perfectionist. Yeah. You're your own so, worst critic. And I happen to have these two uh, producers up in Rhode Island. Shout out to Eighth Wonder and Vertigo, who are amazing composers, producers. I worked with them a lot when I lived there, so... I just viewed this as an opportunity to be like, hey, you know, guys, take this, listen to the songs. I need 10 new beats, brand new beats, you know, play everything out. You know, I told them actually, well, they actually came to me with this idea, but they were like, we want this album to have a really live feel to it. So almost every song's got, it's not just hip-hop production, you know, it's like 
a lot of live musicians in the, in the studio recording. And that's great. So you know, and so we put it together, and so it's the same album revamped. And uh, so let's uh, so we're gonna play a song called "So Many Places." Yeah, yeah. All right. So this is a song by a Jewish rapper. Anything you want to tell us about it beforehand? Uh, this is one of my favorite songs off of the album. I wrote this sitting in a hospital bed, and it's literally all the places I wished I was instead of that hospital bed. Okay. Right. Ready? Let's Here go. we go. <laughs> Oh wait, I'm sorry, this is the wrong track. Are we too. supposed to pick up his chair or something? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Bar Mitzvah! <laughs> Alright, here we go. This is so many places. Yeah. You know, as I sit up here in my hospital bed, stuck up in the inpatient ward from the chemotherapy. Yeah. I can't help but think of all the other places I would rather be than right here. So many. But I am right here. Doing what I gotta do. Always. So let's go. Uh. I'd rather be in Amsterdam. I'd rather be in school. I would rather be at work. I'd rather be in school. There are so many places I would rather be than having this sharp needle being stabbed in me. See, I'd rather be down in Miami Beach on stage delivering a Grammy speech. I would rather be in Cali. I would rather be married. I would rather ride around inside a GMC Denali. I'd rather be back in ATL and back on my grind. I'd rather not always have cancer on the back of my mind. I'd rather be finished with it than just halfway done. With chemotherapy, it's hurting in a bad way, son. I would rather be happy than be worried and anxious. I'd rather live in a world that wasn't blurry and thankless. I'd rather be on tour. I'd rather not want more. I'd rather leave the stage and get called back for an encore. I'd rather not be sitting in this hospital bed with a disease that could unlikely leave me possibly dead. I would rather be healthy right now than to be wealthy. My head is really ready to snap, so please help me. There are so many places I would rather be than in the hospital dealing with a tragedy. But I will not quit, hell no. I don't give a shit, let's go. There are so many places I would rather be than up in here dealing with a catastrophe. But I won't give up, hell no. I don't give a fuck, let's go. I'd rather be elsewhere, but it ain't my decision. I'm on an operating table and they've made an incision. I would rather not be here to tell you the truth. I'd rather perform what I've recorded when in the booth. I woke up in the post-surgery recovery room. Open wounds, I'd rather be just like a mummy in tune. I'd rather be on TV just to promote my CD. I'd almost rather be in prison at home with the Queen Bee. When they told me it was cancer, there was finally an answer. But I would have rather sustained a bite from a panther. They tell me not to stress it, they tell me to stay positive. I just don't press it, I gotta just stay cognitive. I play impeccably in victory mind. How did I get it? They tell me it's a mystery why. But I won't lose, I choose to consistently fight. I'ma beat it, I will defeat it, and make history right. So even though I'd rather not go, I still show up. And I know that with chemotherapy, I will throw up. And y'all know I hate the chemo, I call it my cursed remedy. The type of shit that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. There are so many places I would rather be than in the hospital dealing with a tragedy. But I will not quit, hell no. I don't give a shit, let's go. There are so many places I would rather be than up in here dealing with a catastrophe. But I won't give up, hell no. I don't give a fuck, let's go. There are so many places I would rather be like at home having dinner with my family. There are so many places I would rather be without having this bullshit distracting me. There are so many places I would rather be like in a hash den surrounded by the tapestry. 
There are so many places I would rather be. There are so many places I would rather be. There are so many places I would rather be. Like at home having dinner with my family. There are so many places I would rather be without having this bullshit distracting me. There are so many places I would rather be. Like in a hash den surrounded by the tapestry. There are so many places I would rather be. There are so many places I would rather be. There are so many places I would rather be than in the hospital dealing with a tragedy. But I will not quit. Hell no, I don't give a shit. Let's go. There are so many places I would rather be than up in here dealing with a catastrophe. But I won't give up. Hell no, I don't give a fuck. Let's go. Bravo. You know what? I, love that. I, I am dumbfounded right now. All this time I've been doing that as my karaoke song, I had no idea it was just <laughs> No idea it was mine. Right? <laughs> that one was produced by uh, by Vertigo, and that was actually nominated recently for a Hollywood in Hollywood Music and Media Award. Nice. Wow. Wow. So yeah. how can people get your music? Where can they find it? Um, well, it's available on iTunes right now. Um, Shawnee Records put the, the album out on iTunes. Uh, you can search for Herbalist. You can search for Cancerous Flow. And that's Herbalist U-R-B. U-R-B. Not H-E-R-B. No, no, I'm not the Herbalist. <laughs> um, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That's for California's vote tomorrow. <laughs> True. Um, but, yeah, you can find it online. Um, you can also check out Herbalist.com. Um, oh, you which, finally got a domain? Well, yeah. It, right now, you know, it's a nice flash page which links to my updated MySpace. Right. Um, so that's like an under construction kind of uh, um, zone that it's in right now. But the MySpace right. looks great. We had a, um, a team uh, put put a brand-new MySpace together, and it's, it's top-notch. So. Excellent. Yeah, isn't it true? MySpace is, like, largely for musicians now. There's yeah. not a lot of actual, like, non-artists. It's on not just for pedophiles anymore? <laughs> no, I guess not. So let's just wrap up by telling us how you feel now. Have there been any after effects? Is your arm okay? Yeah, how Results awesome is your chemo? life since you met me? Oh, man. Matt came into my life and it, you know, took a complete new direction. <laughs> um, actually, it's great, man. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier right now. You know, from, from where I was four years ago um, to where I'm at right now, my arm is fine. Um, I've actually gotten into weightlifting lately, which my oncologists aren't too happy about. But is that we've, right? We've compromised on, you know, they don't want me doing it at all. Because and you can't put a strain on that well, arm? Well, I had, when I was on chemo, I had doxorubicin, which evidently, thank you, which uh, is a type of chemo that event, evidently has, you know, long-term effects on the heart. So it's not that they don't want me lifting too much weight, but they don't want me, like, the strain being put on the heart. So I got to do low weights and, and a lot of reps. But So every now and then, you know, my arm gets, my right arm will get sore, and I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with what's in there. But I'm good, man. I'm I'm great right now. I'm really excited about the album coming out. I'm really excited about, you know, linking up with Shawnee Records and the Shawnee Foundation and, you know, doing a lot of work with them. They're great people. And you know, I just I'm just riding it out, man. See where it goes. Sounds good. And well, you, you know, little little do people know we're going to announce this tonight. But Jason and I are going on tour next summer. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out if it's going to be the Jack and Jew tour or the Herbalist and Mighty Whitey tour. I like Herbalist and Mighty Whitey. Yeah, the Vanilla Ice thing is working for you, Jack. It's working well yeah. for me. Yeah. All I have to say is <laughs> <laughs> another sold out crowd for the Jack and Jew tour. Well, Jesse's in studio. He's going to be here the whole show. So uh, thanks for being here. 
our Survivor Spotlight tonight. Herbalist. Herbalist in the house. Yeah, I can't believe I slept all the way up to Jersey. That was a trip. No, that was awesome. That was when I was desperate to build my organization. That was awesome. I remember being (laughs) in in the hospital, and my mom was like, hey, you know, I found this cool site online for young adult survivors, and and the founder of it agreed to come have dinner with us. See, it's the illusion of importance. Making house calls again, Matthew. (laughs) It's all about the illusion of importance. That's what it is. There's a lot of people in the chat room that are like, oh, I know who Jesse is. I met him at OMG. Exactly. A lot of girls in there. Dum dum dum. He's a rock star. He's OMG 2011. He'll be I, there as well. I2Y has benefited me in many ways. <laughs> oh, next show. I've watched. <laughs> I've seen that in action, and I've yeah. turned away in disgust. <laughs> Come on. All righty. Well, it's time to bring out Some our. News? Oh yeah, we have the quick boof news. You say, forgot about me, didn't you? I always forget about you. You're unimportant. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on. We are running late. Yeah, uh, facts, man. I can make it quick. I know you can. I've heard from many and many a former girlfriend. Go. During this part of the stupid cancer what? show. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> what? <laughs> we listen to Jack Rufard stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff we want you to know about. Free stuff like conferences, happy hours, retreats, financial assistance, support groups, concerts, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to broadcast during this segment... Please send an email to Jack Bufard at any time. His email is jack at i2y.com. All you, bro. Uh, yeah, thanks, pal. Great introduction. My pleasure. All right, folks. First stop, events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. We have upcoming Super Cancer Happy Hours in Minnesota. Where else? We we have our boot camp in uh, Jersey, Jersey, Philadelphia. We have a happy hour in New Orleans. We have one in Ontario. So head on over to events.i2y.com. You'll also see on there the official inaugural Super Cancer Crawl. Saturday, November 20th, here in New York City. The official website is Stupid Cancer Crawl. It's crawl.stupidcancer.com. That is Again, correct. Crawl.stupidcancer.com. So join the bar crawl, raise some money for I2Y, and get bombed doing it. Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults, is completely booked. Myself, Kenny Kane, Susan Moser, Aaron L. Louise, and many others will be running the New York City Half Marathon this coming March. So head on over to TeamStupidCancer.com. Make a pledge for your favorite runner. We all know that's me, but you can support some of the others. And help support this fabulous organization that we're all a part of. The buzz is building around the fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults, where many girls have met Jesse Hershkowitz and are looking forward to seeing him again this next April 16th and 17th in New York City. OMG 2011, April 16th and 17th in New York City, and you can go to omg2011.org or .com. OMG2011.org. .org. Thank you, sir. All right, folks. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I have created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com. It is the official list of all stupid cancer news resources. These resources include surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, 
peer services and fertility resources. There are a bunch of new surveys up there that pay you money, so head on over to boopnews.i2y.com. Take a survey, get some money, spend it, and uh, have a great time. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Very nice. All right, now I'll stop pretending to ignore Jack and actually ignore him. And we'll bring out our guest tonight. I'm very excited about this show because I spoke at a conference held by this organization about two weeks ago, and Jack and I flew out to Branson, Missouri. We're going to talk about that. So let's kick this off with some green onions. All righty. Sharon France is president and co-founder of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators, a nonprofit organization. She is a nurse with over 20 years' experience caring for persons with cancer and AIDS. Sharon is an advocate for all individuals facing cancer, advocating and empowering individuals through the cancer continuum. And Becky Trupp, RN, is the oncology nurse navigator at Suburban Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. She is certified in oncology nursing by the Oncology Nursing Society and in breast cancer patient navigation by the National Consortium of Breast Centers. Becky Trubb is the Vice President and Co-Founder of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators, and we are thrilled to have both Becky and Sharon on the show. Sharon, friends, and Becky Trubb. Hey there. Wow. Hello. We're thrilled to be on here as well. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, ladies. It's a pleasure to be closer to you than, than I was an hour ago. I'm the only one of the three of us who have not met these wonderful women. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to change that. Weren't, yes. we, weren't we supposed to ignore Jack now? Well, they're coming to the summit. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Fantastic. So just be there this year, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> yes, the uh, OMG 2011 summit being held April 16th and 17th here in New York City has a breakout session on insurance and navigation, and Becky and Sharon are on the panel. That's exciting. Yeah. With Laura, um, with Joanna Morales from the Cancer Legal Resource Center. Lucky oh, us. Fantastic. That's yeah. going to be a great panel. It's an hour and 15-minute panel. That's actually the one segment of the day I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, the rest of the, the whole event's just crap after that. We're not following Johnny Immerman. No, no, no. Johnny's doing his one bald sex talk in the afternoon. <laughs> okay. The real Johnny Immerman. Right. And Johnny Immerman, right. for that, for those of you out there, runs an organization called Immerman Angels, which is an amazing peer-matching website for anyone affected by cancer at ImmermanAngels.org. But enough you about him. you got to play the sound clip. Oh, yeah. Wait. Here we go. This Immerman moment is brought to you by Immerman Angels. Be well, number one. That's Johnny Immerman. Let's get to our nurse navigators, damn it. It's all about them, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. How about what is a nurse navigator? A nurse navigator is a nurse. Yes, is a nurse that um, hopefully gets engaged with the patient at the time they're diagnosed at or at suspicious finding of their cancer, and navigates the patient through the whole cancer continuum. We like to think of it as the patient having a personal care touch or a personal coach that holds their hand through the whole cancer continuum, at no cost to the patient. At no cost to the patient. And where can yep. you find nurse navigators, and how many hospitals? Well, there there are more and more hospitals are employing nurse navigators. So my suggestion is is that anyone who unfortunately has cancer and enters the hospital system ask, do you have a nurse navigator that can help me? 
Yeah, right now what we're doing is um, we have on our website, we have a Google map right. that shows where our nurse navigators that are members of our organizations uh, are located. And patients and, can go to that site and click on the state and see if there's a navigator uh, in their area. And Jack will put up that website in our chat room. Of course. So yeah. what, what are the yeah. barriers to getting people aware that nurse navigators exist it sounds like you're the human version of clinical trials, that you're really, really important, you change lives for the better, but no one's ever heard of you. <laughs> that's, um, that's absolutely the case. Um, I think being on shows like this, um, we try to market ourselves um, through you know, our local um, uh, PCPs and the medical oncologists. It's difficult. I mean, that's a really great question, and, and I wish I had an excellent answer for it. But it is hard sometimes to get patients to us, and oftentimes by the time they get to us, you know, I could just, like, hit my head against the wall going, oh, my God, I wish I could have had this person, you know, months ago. Right. I agree. And, you know, the thing, we go out, we exhibit, um, we try to market to um, big oncology groups and um, talk to everybody that we know and in our neighbors, uh, when we meet people anywhere, shopping malls, and let them know, you know, or somewhat like, for example, when I met you, you know, you know about us, and now you've been promoting us, and we just want patients to know that there are people out there that can help them get through the obstacles and the barriers, and um, we know with cancer, there are so many. How long have, have Nurse Navigators been around, and how did your organization get off the ground? Well, Nurse Navigation has been around, well, you know, that's... Patient navigation has been around for quite some time, and it's evolved into now what we call oncology nurse navigation. And the NCON was struck by how many nurses were out there doing navigation but didn't actually realize that they were doing navigation. So, And can you just, sorry to cut you off for one second, can you just clarify for folks out there patient navigation and nurse navigation, the difference between those two? Well, patient navigation is generally a more is a more a lay navigator where they're in the community, they're removing barriers for patients to get in for screenings um, and those kinds of things. And while nurse navigation also can do that, generally nurse navigation is picked up at the time um, when the patient is entering a hospital system and has a suspicious finding or a, a definitive diagnosis. Yeah, many times we work in um, parallel with the lay or patient navigator, um, where the patient navigator might be helping patients to um, get access to the hospital, um, appointment system, transportation, childcare, and then the nurse takes over on the clinical side so that the patient has someone there for symptom management, um, side effects, or just questions about um, who the people are that are taking care of them. And. Our show tonight is titled Insurance and Navigation. What can you do to help guide patients through insurance other than perhaps put the wrong coding <laughs> on their bills so they, so, <laughs> to fudge things so they don't have to, have to pay for them? How, how do you guide patients through insurance obstacles? For, for myself, um, I fight with insurance companies trying to get some fees um, decreased for patients. My, my biggest um, dilemma. As, as a matter of fact, I have a patient right now who's on Medicare, um, not a young patient, but, you know, they won't pay for certain medications and the woman can't afford them. And um, 
fighting with Medicare is rather difficult. But, I mean, these are some of the things we do. We try to talk to the case managers and the insurance companies and say, hey, guys, you know, this is what's going on with this person. It isn't just some chart in front of you. This is a human being, and this is what's happening, and this is their life situation. What can we do? And oftentimes we get, well, there isn't anything I can do. Well, then let me talk to someone who can do something. I want to talk to the person above you and kind of keep um, keep that going. Yeah, you know, you're going through cancer, too. You don't even have energy barely to even do the things you need to do just to get ready to go to the doctor and then try to fight with an insurance company who wants to use the tree. You know, will we go to step one, answer this question, go to step two? And if you don't answer it correctly or it didn't fit that model, then you just can't get anywhere. And a lot of times what we do is we take that on and we help the patient and give them the power and empower them. And also a lot of times we'll do it with them together in our office and – help them to understand their bill, and and sometimes we do find errors and problems that we can help them with. It's really great to kick insurance companies' butts. Yeah. (laughs) And what's your success rate with that? I mean, I I keep thinking about that scene from The Incredibles where, you know, Mr. Incredible is, like, stuck at a tax, you know, health insurance day job, desk job, and that old lady comes in and she can't pay her bills, and he says, I can't tell you to circle this on the form and take it to Doris in accounting, and I can't tell you to, you know, do a flip in the back and fill out the pink form, but I didn't tell you. And it's all the loopholes. Do you, how do you guys find out about the loopholes and get people through those, those challenges? Well, I think, you know, one of the things, um, I know a lot of times patients will call and say, you know, that this didn't get paid for. And, um, Many times it's because the physician or whoever's been taking care of them just didn't document enough or didn't clinically document the reason why they did it. They just ordered a test or did something. So a lot of times going back and talking to the physician or whoever the person is, the medical oncologist or the radiation oncologist, and ask them just to beef up their note. And if that doesn't work, I mean, I've had many times where the they'll get on the phone with the medical director of the insurance company. And yeah. if you push hard enough, it'll happen. I told and patients, we have never the energy to push hard. You know, yes. someone who's uh, dealing with cancer treatment doesn't have the energy, nor should they have to be bothered with it, really. They should just be getting well. You know, sometimes well, I even help them to, you know, type up a form, save it in Word, and we just keep pounding it and sending it back and forth to the um, people on the other side of the insurance wall. And, um, you know, if you're persistent, um, it pays off. But it is difficult, especially right now, the way the economy is. It's hard. Let me ask you a question. What are the barriers to adoption for a cancer center to hire a nurse navigator or to take one of their existing nurses, and can they send them for training, subspecialty training, to be certified as a navigator? Well, the biggest barrier is money. Yes, money. The biggest barrier is money. When I started um, at Suburban, I was... Um, paid by a grant, and then the second year I was there, I had to write the grant um, to to keep my job. And then in the end, um, it's I'm paid by the hospital and also through foundation monies um, because they see the value in in the role. As far as getting certified, I mean, for breast cancer, there are some certifications for nurse navigators, um, but general nurse navigation for all cancer sites, there really isn't anything. And we do support um, nurse navigators getting the oncology certified nurse um, certification through the ONS, but there really isn't a general certification. Right. And that's that's something that we really want to do, too, is to make sure that the nurses that are taking care of the patients doing the navigation 
are competent nurses that have the skill set and the energy to help the patients get navigated through this the complexities of the healthcare system. But the barrier sometimes is also having a champion, just like the patient needs a champion. The na- nurse that wants to be the navigator, she needs a champion too. And hopefully that's her cancer director or a physician. Or a so, surgeon, right. My champions are my surgeons. Are your surgeons, yeah. And I'm sorry, the certification for a breast cancer nurse navigator, you said, is from the ONS. Was that right? Well, no. They, no. Uh, ONS has a general certification for oncology certified nurse. They have a certified breast cancer nurse. Um, the National Consortium of Breast Centers has the um, um, certification for breast patient navigator. And then there is also a private um, place, Educare, that does uh, breast patient navigation. Okay. So how much time do you spend navigating as opposed to nursing, and what are some of the biggest issues in addition to insurance that you deal with uh, with patients on a daily basis? Well, we don't do any nursing, really, clinical bedside nursing. Um, It's really education and... uh, And advocacy. And advocacy. And um, as far but as I would insurance, that, sorry, go ahead. I would consider that nursing. I mean, if you look at sure. the definition yeah. of nursing, you know, sure. healing the whole person and and all of that. Um, while no, we're not at the bedside and we're not doing dressing changes. Um, but it's the psychosocial support that the quality of life issues that many times, especially in young adult cancer patients, I think are ignored. And I think Matthew Zachary and Jack, you know, they have you know eloquently you know shown that that people just don't get, um, they don't get those things met, so it's hard for them to go um, through their whole cancer experience and even complete treatment can because I, nobody really looks at them as a person. I just have to interrupt, and I'm sorry, that that was the very first time in history anyone said Jack before and eloquent in the same sentence. I don't even know what that <laughs> means. That's a word I was never told hey. growing up. Well, Jack deserves a bone every once in a while. Yeah. You know. See, they yeah. know you too well. So let me repeat that part, and we'll timestamp. We'll just play play it back over and over again on the web tomorrow. Wait for my mom to hear this part. Right. So I'm, I'm just interested to if you know if you could if you could just follow up what you spend most of your time doing. We we've talked about insurance. Is there uh, other other sort of issues that come to the forefront? You know more than some others in terms of your navi- helping patients. I think re- I think reinforcement of the treatment plan is probably one of the biggest areas because. You know, you get your diagnosis of cancer, they give you a treatment plan, you leave, and then you can't remember anything. And I find that in navigation, that's one of the things that we do a lot of is reinforcement of the treatment plan. Explaining and educating the patient is huge. I mean, that's what my, from my experience. And and that's, I spend a tremendous amount of time on the phone sort of knocking things around with patients. What should I do? What do you think is the best thing? Um, my doctor told me this. What does that mean? So we do a lot of that, and a lot of our work is done by phone. Yeah. So, but edu- you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please, you, you finish up. And, and you know, like, in you, I heard guys on the show earlier talking about the um, reconstruction surgery in uh, New York being paid for. In Maryland, for example, there is the breast um, cancer cervical um, treatment. Uh, program. And a lot of times we fill out forms for patients to help them get interpretation services and um, actually just help them to, you know, I mean, you know, with the fog in their head of just having cancer, sometimes it's just getting them organized, helping them to just start somewhere just to make the first step. 
So without pointing the finger at any of the doctors that you work with, what just generally speaking do you think is lacking from the community of doctors as a whole as you see how they deal with young adult cancer patients? Oh, oh my Becky, God. go for it. That is my, <laughs> like, my, let me pull my soapbox up. I was going to um, say maybe as Chandler once said on Friends, can open worms everywhere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the bigger problem, and even Jesse mentioned it, it's like, you know, you're 25 years old. Well, you can't possibly have anything serious, you know. Right. So let let me give you Vicodin and or, or some Robitussin, and off you go. Robitussin. And you know, it's it's awful. And one of the things I try to do when I'm out in the community um, is tell young people if you think something is not right, and someone is handing handing you, you know, take some a couple Tylenol and call me, you know, in four weeks and you just have a gut feeling that this is not right, you need to push. You need to be your own advocate because this is, I see this in my young patient population, is that they sit, they sit, they sit, and then when they finally get a diagnosis, they have a stage four diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So and, I think it's communication. The doctors don't listen sometimes. or, or well, they, just, they don't think they don't look a young for, person. Right. They don't listen. How could a 25-year-old have breast cancer? How could this 25-year-old have I've One got cancer. a kid right now who's going off to hospice. He's 24 years old. And, wow. Y- you know, they don't even know the origin of his cancer. But he was playing um, kickball down on the National Mall, broke a bone. Right. And I think, you know, that physicians, I mean, I think overall most physicians just need to listen to the patient and not assume that there's something, uh, that everything's okay. You know, but, I mean, right. that's one of the things. Right. And I think they need a better education. Yeah. They need to be educated. I mean, because I, we just don't talk about this. But I think it all comes back to what we started out the conversation about is because of insurance and reimbursement, physicians don't get to spend the time with the patients that they used to get to spend mm-hmm. because they got to see so many people in order to, um, you know, to get enough money to operate the practice. And um, so they're lacking that, the time that they need to have with their patients. So talk me through, all right, I'm – a young man, I'm in college, I want to be a nurse. At what point during my curriculum or my my practicum or my residency, I don't know how how nursing works, I'm making this up, am I made aware that there is a uh, sort of a a little bonus to my career where I can move into navigation? Because it sounds like navigation is the the pissed-off stepsister of nursing. Because you're... (laughs) You know, I like that. You know, That's a T-shirt. Yeah, there you go. Like you guys are doing so much work as nurses, taking care of the patients, and you got so fed up with a system that puts nothing but barriers between you and actually doing your job, that you now have to basically walk the dog and clean the dishes and, and fix up the house on top of what you do on a daily basis. And where can nurses that are in school, people that are interested in becoming nurses, get information that this is a new viable track for their career. Well, they can get wow. it at our website, ncon.org, but unfortunately... But you're not going to get not, it in nursing school. You're okay. not going to get it yet. You're not, not going to see it yet. I, I but we're changing I did go my that. nursing school and, and speak to them, um, but, um, yeah, you're, you're not going to see that, unfortunately. Yeah. When will you? Right. What's your goal? <laughs> Five years? <laughs> I think two to five years um, you're going to see um, this become part of the curriculum, and I think that it's going to be because of patients 
and uh, people like you guys on your show, um, patients demand to have a more personal, um, you know, quality of care in their um, treatment in addition to the chemo, radiation, surgery. They want someone that actually is there for them to answer their questions. So I think that patients are going to push it because of patient satisfaction um, at hospitals, and yeah, I and I think that's how it's going to change. And I think also, you know, that um, because of the limited time that patients have with their caregivers, this is something that nurses are going to find a lot of. I don't think of this as a begrudgingly awful job to have or that I'm pissed off. I think of it as a way that I can actually change the face of cancer, really do something that I love to do and um, help people who really need it. Do you find that you have more hellfire-driven conversations with doctors or with insurance companies? Insurance companies. Okay. <laughs> Depends on what day it is, but insurance companies always. <laughs> I yeah. mean, do you, do you get a lot of blowback for having to be such a you know a passionate advocate on behalf of someone else? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I say to them, "Listen, this if this was your son, you are putting this person through hell." Yep. You know, I say it all you know, the time. Yeah. You know, think about How what you're you doing feel, here. Right. How would you feel if this were your mother? Yeah, what Where are you now? doing? You know, you're denying them access to something they need to, to you know, to live. You know, and what I'm kind a of... Jewish girl. I know how to give the guilt. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, so you're professional nurse guilters. That's fantastic. Can we record right. one of your calls to an insurance company and play it over the air of our show? Oh, we need that. We so need that. I think we really need to do that. I would love that. I think with HIPAA, we probably wouldn't be able to because, you know, the, <laughs> right. the regulations. There, there is but, that. you know, Not we should probably mock one. Right. <laughs> we could mock one for you. Yes. We got right, you Jack, know. you're, you're, uh, you're United Healthcare. Go. What? <laughs> okay, you want so us to you pay for your treatment? Right. Yeah. Well, first comes, you. First comes so why did you need that treatment? That, that I have to right. talk to a computer. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, before I'm even talking to a human being, I'm yelling at the computer. <laughs> right. English, press Pick one. option five. <laughs> if you would like to speak to a live person, hang up and call your mother. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Oh. But you know, you think about it. You know, the time in your day, you're going to the, you're going to your oncologist, you're going to the radiation oncologist, you're going to the surgeon, you're going to the endocrinologist. Maybe you have other health issues. And then you have to spend 90 minutes in the queue waiting to talk to a computer or have to leave a message because um, the timer ran out and the insurance company, you know, didn't ever pick up the phone. It's very frustrating. And so we recognize that, and we a lot of times take on that for the patient. Now, you guys just had your second annual conference. Yes. And as someone who's coming up on our fourth annual conference, I can tell you how much hair I lost between our first and our second annual conference. <laughs> I being there with Jack, it was extraordinarily well executed and most people don't know this but this conference was originally supposed to be held at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, which got destroyed by Al Gore. And unfortunately <laughs> everything got flooded and they had to move it at a moment's notice to Branson, yeah. Missouri. With finesse and grace, you guys did a great job. But I'd like to hear Thank in your you. own words, you know, you had several hundred people there. Clearly you're growing People are buying this Kool-Aid. It's necessary. What type of feedback did you get from folks about the conference? And don't just praise me. Talk about everybody else. Well, everyone did really love you, Matthew. We well, got the um, highest of Val score, and I think you, you saw did. that. 
Yeah. You know we're in you know we're in opposite land here that don't just praise me means praise me. You picked you picked <laughs> up on right. that. Very good. Right. Um Matthew's well, actually got two. A psychologist yeah. too. Right. I mean two standing ovations. I mean, people just loved you. And I think that um you know as far as the successes, I mean, you know, we I think the thing is that people are starting to get the fact that people actually want the the healthcare system to be less complex and less fragmented and I think that came through in our conference and I you know it was hard for us to move our conference because Branson, Missouri is not a hot spot. Yes, it's not that's where the Yakov Smirnoff Theater is. <laughs> <laughs> and you get your own knife when you go to dinner. Yes, that's you get true. Your own knife. That, that was cool. True. In fact, I was really <laughs> nervous after everyone at my table was given a knife because I was like, "This is it. This could be the end for me." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, every you know, and the thing is, is that nurses, you know, that are navigating are are usually very good clinical nurses already, so they're really looking at things to really expand and improve on how they take care of patients, and having someone like Matthew Zachary and Jack there, and then some of our other speakers to talk about the psychosocial support that we need to really complement the care that we give. And that's what we we plan on doing in our third conference, too. You know, trying to build on that because to be good caregivers, we have to take care of the whole person. Yeah, absolutely. So, Becky and Sharon, and we have to wrap up soon, unfortunately, but tell us if you're at a hospital where there's no nurse navigator yet and, you know, you put in the word that you'd like one, but you're just, you know, you're going through treatment and they're not there yet, what advice would you give to a patient like that in terms of how they should try and handle their treatment? Wow. Becky? Um, I, well, I think... I uh, guess they need to get, you know, they need to find um, a friend or family member who they can, who's willing and able to advocate for them. But I would also say um, that they could call NCON or go to the website, look for someone who may be close yeah. to where they are. And call that that navigator. I've gotten phone calls from people in California that I've helped. You know, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter that that they're in my healthcare system. If I get a phone call from a patient who has a need, I'm going to help them. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's great to know. So you will do phone consultations essentially. Oh yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. absolutely. Will. And we'll find navigators that are closest to wherever hospital that or um, cancer center you're getting taken care of. And the navigators that are members of our organization are more than willing to reach out and help someone, even if they're not a patient that they're taking care of. That's great. Good to know. Yep. So what's in store for you guys? Obviously, you've probably already started planning your conference next year. And uh, I, I don't really have my prognostication skills that I used to, but I'm going to go with St. Louis will be destroyed. So don't plan it for St. Louis. <laughs> We're thinking West Coast. Yes. Hey, West San Diego Coast. is the greatest city in the country for, for conferences. It'll be in California before it falls into the Pacific. Yes. Right. 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 I mean, that's, you know, we actually are members. We ask the nurses where they want to go, and that's what we'll pro- we'll go where, you know, we're a membership organization, and we try to listen to our patients, and we try to listen to our members. And um, they say warm West Coast. That's probably where we'll be. Where and we hope to have, huh? I was just going to say, where are most of your nurse navigators located? If you are sort of heavy in one region as opposed to another, we are. We're the the top places are here on the East Coast, Texas, um, and California. Okay. Yeah, and it would look. It looks like Florida is starting to grow more too, um, but um, California has been growing like crazy. 
lot of nav- a lot of nurse navigations. You know, you know, California's so progressive. You give them an idea, they want to be first. Oh yeah, so. that all starts out there, and then the wave sort of heads east. Exactly. Yep. And now the Spicoli's yeah. law is going to pass tomorrow. It'll be even even better place for medicine. <laughs> Here you go. There you go. And hopefully at one day our goal is, is that every patient that's diagnosed with cancer, regardless of their age or their cancer, will have someone holding their hand and it'll be a nurse navigator. That'll be a member of our oh. organization. That's what we that's our dream. Yes. That's it our is. mission. Great dream. It, I love these women. I no, can't wait to meet you guys at OMG. I am so pa- I I get very passionate about very few things. I I love, you know, Deborah Davis and the cell phone thing. I, yeah. I, there's just something about the idea of a pissed-off nurse that, that <laughs> wants to tell off the insurance companies and grab the bull by the horns. That I, it just, I love it. I think you guys are really innovating the field, and I, I'm, I stand here humbly wanting to help you do whatever you can. Thank you, Matt. Well, thank you. I second and that. Yes. Yeah. Thank I you guess very I'll much. come along too. We'll <laughs> <laughs> drag Jack yeah. along for the ride. Yeah, and anyone out there that's looking for a navigator, give us a call or um, email us or go to our website, and we'll be happy to connect you with someone, or Becky and I will navigate you ourselves. And the website is nconn.org. Correct. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. Sharon Franks and Becky Trupp. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I gotta tell you, this nurse navigator stuff is amazing. Yeah, they're great. And it's about damn time we got folks willing to stand up for patients' rights. Well, and like she said, there have been patient navigators out there. There is a field of patient navigators, but and this is in no way to in in any way disenfranchise people who choose that career path. But when you're a nurse and then you go into navigation, I feel like you have so much more pulse. In, in how the system works, where the politics lie, and how the loopholes put you at the advantage. Absolutely. You're locked and loaded, in other words. Yes. <laughs> you're Absolutely. in there, and you're locked and loaded. And it's both maddening and heartening to hear the way they speak about the gap in care with doctors and young adults being on the front lines as they are. Right. And robotizing for brain cancer. Right. My story. Your story, MZ. Yes. So I guess that brings us to uh, the close of another fine show. The close of another fine show. Yes, Jack? Well, we should tell everybody where we're going on Wednesday. Jack and I are going to the fifth annual meeting of the Live Strong Young Adult Alliance. We will be in session for three days. Actually, Jack and I are going with Kenny, and we are going with Aaron Spicer, who is the chairman of our board's executive committee and secretary of the board, Young Adult Survivor, and John Filbert young adult survivor of thyroid and lung cancer in Dallas. He was on the show earlier this season, uh, who runs I2I South Midwest for us. So the five guys, I testosterone-laden men, the hulking men, 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 men of I2I, will be descending upon Austin, Texas, this week for three days to meet with our fellow brethren in young adult survivorship, advocacy, support, community, and education for an amazing once-in-a-year gathering of the minds. Yes. And booze. Mines? Just there is a little bit of booze. Yeah, just, it is Texas, folks, after all. Anyway. So it'll be fun, and we're getting, we get to see our, a lot of our friends, many of whom we've had on the show. Yep. 
So it's all about supporting the young adult cancer community and collaborating resources and figuring out where the gaps are and filling them. Peace, love, and collaboration, bro. That's right. Where is Johnny? This every moment is brought to you by Everman Angels. Be well, number one. All right, and now it's time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that is tonight's show, our 157th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. We'd like to thank our guests, Sharon, Franz, Becky, Trupp, Jesse Herskowitz, and our live in studio guests, Kenny Kane, Aaron Eloise, Mark Kwan, April Capil, John Sabia, and Liz Tatoo. Next week's show is all about First Descent, the greatest young adult organization if you want to go rock climbing and kayaking and hiking and amazing stuff. In our Survivor Spotlight, the great Ryan Sutter. Excuse me, young adult cancer advocate and the former contestant of The Bachelorette. The great and powerful Brad Ludden. Professional Nike kayak athlete and the founder of First Ascent, and Lisa Goodman Goldstein, director of communication for First Ascent. And joining us in studio will be members of the New York City ING Marathon team for First Ascent. It's all about First Ascent. If you miss any of our past shows, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or download them all at itunes.itoy.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the chemo deck. Jack Bufard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Sumi, and I wish you all a great week. Go to, Go to bed. bed, Sumo. Yes. Good night, Good night Sumo. Bye. Love.